Hey, you guys, welcome to the Anointed Sinners podcast. And today I have a guest um, by the name. What is your name? What name do you go by now? My name is Sanaya. All right, Sanaya. So, Sanaya, I met you in high school um, back at Wakefield. And back then you went by Dell. And um, I've always thought you were a cool person, cool, very interesting. You were always a best friend to my best friend. Um, so that's, I've been able to like see you grow on Facebook and, um, recently I learned about your transition and I just, I've always wondered, I never like to ask other people about their own identity, but I've always wondered, um, in high school, if you were gay or bisexual, you never dated people in high school. So I never wanted to ask. I felt like that was very intrusive. So, um, if you give me like a little backstory, I guess, of like, what that's been like for you from like high school up until now and where you got got to the level of confidence to like own um Sinai that you are now. Absolutely. I'll even take it a step further. Cool. So <clears throat> pretty much I've known that um I felt female since I was about the age of two when I realized the difference between male and female. Okay. And being brought up in the South, a black family, you know how things go. There are certain views that they have upon like homosexuality. And then during that time, when I was raised, the term trans, like transgender was really something that was talked about heavily in the South, um, which is different from transsexual. And that's a whole other topic, but still. So Growing up in the South, I, I became conditioned to be a version of myself that wasn't really authentic, but it was something I had to wear as like a suit to um, to appease my family and my peers. Right. At least that's how I felt at the time. Right, right. So I just, um, when I met you, I was getting more comfortable in my skin and starting to like come out of my shell and like taking off the clothes that I was wearing, these fake clothing, like that's what I like to call it, fake clothing. Yeah. I was taking it off, shedding, and I was finally putting on the things that I want to wear, becoming more, finding my own identity. Right. And um, I didn't date anyone because I was, I wasn't sure anyone would understand right. what I was going through mentally. Right. Um, but I've always like, I've always identified or felt female. I just didn't know exactly what it was called because I wasn't a transsexual at that time. Right. I was just transgender. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, going back to the beginning, you said that you felt female at the age of two. What, um, when you said you I learned the difference between genders, what was that difference that you, was it like a moment? that um, you could recall that you were like, oh, that's a woman and that's a man and I don't feel comfortable being a man or a boy. Absolutely. Um, I was outside and there was an, another girl in the, in the neighborhood who was also outside. Um, and I, my parents were like watching us play together and they were talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had her toys and I had my toys. Right. Now, I've only seen my toys my entire life. My two years of living, I've only known what my toys look like. Right, right. <laughs> so when she brought her toys over, I was like, oh, wow, these are so much better than mine. Right. And she had um, Princess Jasmine from Aladdin. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was specific. like, oh, this, she is so beautiful. This is me. Like, that's what I was saying to myself. Right. I look like this. I'm this girl. Right. And I asked the girl, I can't remember her name, but I asked her if we could trade toys. And I was like, I want this one. And she said, sure. So we traded toys and I came back and my mom was like, where'd you get that from? I was like, it's so pretty. This is me. And my mom was like, no, that's not you. You are not a girl. That's a girl. And I was like, oh, what you mean? <laughs> like, yeah, what makes me different than Princess Jasmine? <laughs> Right, how you gonna tell me I'm not Jasmine? Like, what you mean? Yeah, and I was like, in my mind, I'm like, well, whatever a boy is, that's not me because I'm Jasmine. My mama just told me I'm not Jasmine. Right, right. (laughs) Well, that's a that's a pretty like 
simplified slash complex way of like identifying with genders. You know what I mean? Because I don't think that I ever explicitly was told what makes a girl, what makes a boy. So I can understand like your perspective. I think that for me growing up, um, what what boys did and what girls did was what I saw as the gender difference. You know what I mean? Like guys were a little bit rougher. They were a it was okay or acceptable for them to get dirty or play in the mud or you know be a little rough. And then girls are supposed to like not be so rough. They're supposed to be very like caregiving with like all these dolls and stuff. So I guess for me that's how I formulated the idea between genders so that's pretty interesting that that was your experience of defining between like a, a boy and a girl and how yeah. you saw yourself um that was my initial experience but i will say like similar to yours because i feel like just naturally i would i just have feminine energy okay so after i learned the difference i didn't know that um my personality would hinder me from being, I guess, what I was perceived as being a boy. So I'm like, well, I'm a boy, so does that mean I can't do this? Like, I would try to paint my nails, and they're like, no, this for girls. Right. And I would try to use certain language, like, oh, this is so cute. And my mom, my dad would be like, don't say the word cute so much. That's very girly. And I'm like, I can't do all the stuff I naturally feel to do because it's not for me. Right. That's that's wild. So um, one thing that I've noticed, uh, that I noticed when you explain your story you said that um, you didn't feel like a boy, but you um, identified with Princess ja- Jasmine. So I guess, how do you, I guess, you, I don't even know if you've thought of it, but how would someone or how do some people connect a feeling to an orientation like you, like you did so early on in life? I don't, I can't really explain it. The only thing I can say is that I felt, like we were the same okay and i i felt a connection when i looked at her like she she looked beautiful i felt beautiful she looked dainty i felt dainty when i watched the movie aladdin i was more intrigued by her than i was by aladdin it was just i was connecting to her more gotcha that made that i could i could understand that now um since you sound sound like your family is very traditional in the southern beliefs so i'm assuming they're are they rooted in like church or are they um like what is what is what was church like for you growing up so this is very interesting my mom uh her side of the family is baptist and apostolic okay and then my father his side of the family is catholic wow yeah <laughs> That's a lot. Those are two heavy hitters within like religion. They are like known to be like very restrictive in um. Not, I wouldn't say closed minded because I don't want to like generalize two different, three different versions of church. You know what I mean? But from the world's perspective, those are very closed minded and restrictive um subsets of Christianity. So um, yeah, yeah. I don't want to throw you. I just was like, wow, that's a it's a lot going on there very by the book yes yes that's a very (laughs) simple way of putting it very by the book yes so which one did were you raised i guess to follow were you raised in a blend or how did your parents like um display both for you and was it like a choice for you as far as like um experience church for both sides and what was that like for you it was not a choice for me um and I took on the religion of my father. Okay. Okay. And his parents, honey, they were so devoted. They made <laughs> sure all of their grandchildren were over their house on the weekend so that they could take them, all of us, to church. So wow. me and all of my cousins would go to church with my grandparents. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, within, I haven't done much research within the Catholic faith, but since you sound like your your family is, is very religious um throughout your i like to say your you owning who you are Sinai, i feel like 
you um it's like a caterpillar evolving right like i feel like you were you turned out as a worm at like two and then you cocooned yourself so that like you know you technically couldn't be yourself but then as as time you know progressed you're able to peel back their layers and now you're this beautiful butterfly that is like embracing and exploring life and your and what you see as your truest form um which is cool so through that transition what was your family's reaction to it because it seems on facebook you're very public about it so i'm assuming they know like about your um next stages in transition yes um I was quite surprised because the way I was brought up, <laughs> the way I was brought up was very intense. Okay. Um, to the point where it took me this long to be brave enough to say, "Hey, I'm an adult, and I can be vocal about how I feel and who right. I am." Right. To my family, like you're my family, you're supposed to love me regardless. Yeah. And I had to make that decision of if I tell them what's going on with me, and they do not accept me will, will I be okay with that will right. I be able to so I got to that point where I was like yeah because my peace and my happiness comes first Understandable. And I told my mom first um and she was like she paused for a good five minutes no now when you came out to your mom what what story are you telling like were you ever I'm, I didn't mean to like cut you off but did you uh, were you did you ever identify with being gay or did you always knew that you were going to transition in some way so you like never had that conversation you just waited till you had like this conversation i'm guessing you're you're about to explain yeah so oh this is this is like a little complex okay that's cool it's cool so, i'll try to be as detailed as possible but not talk so much no it's totally fine <laughs> So like, okay, when I was little and when I found out that people can could transition, I was watching a movie called Crooklyn and RuPaul was on there. My mom thought he was a, tr- a transsexual. She didn't know he was a drag queen. Oh, wow. And she was like, oh, um, yeah, that's a man. He's a woman now. And I was like, you can do that? And she was like, yeah, you can do that. So once she told me that, I was like, that's what I'm going to do when I get older. That's so I would like replay that in my mind growing yeah. up. Yeah. Um, but I just didn't know when I was going to do it. Right. Then I just I gave up when I started going through puberty and like high school and stuff like that. But it that's another story. Okay. So I never had the the talk of I I'm attracted to men or any or I feel like a woman like when I was old enough to understand. Right. My family they they just pretended like I was a unicorn and was just different. Right. It was just something they. So it was like a big elephant in the room, but people just threw a blanket over it. Right. <laughs> That's understandable. So when um this year when I sat my mom down, she she had the I guess assumption. Actually, all of my family members had the assumption that I was going to say, "Hi, I'm gay." Wow. But okay. I, so I was going to assume, say, "They assumed gay." Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> but it was like no. I'm not even gay. I'm transgender and I'm going to transition. Okay. So, um, I guess I did, I did identify as gay for a time period because I wasn't sure if I was ever going to transition. And I finally found guys who like me in this form. Okay. Even like, but you're, why are you like me like this? Like, that's how I was looking at it. Like, huh? Right. <laughs> but I was like, okay, I guess this is what gay is when people feel a certain way. She paused for like a good five minutes. And then she was like, you know what? I, I knew this was going to happen when you were in my womb. And I was like, huh? What? She was like, yeah. She said, when I was pregnant with you, I thought I was having a girl. And that's when I uh, named you Sanaya. Wow. That, so that's when I 
came from because my mom had named me Sanaya before I was born. That's wild. And she to come out with female reproductive organs. She took all the stuff back and had to find a new name. So when she told me that story, I was like, well, that's my original name. So that's the name I'm going to go by. Like, I feel feel sentimental about it. Like, I feel very connected to it. That's that's dope. That's pretty cool. So your mom took it well. Um, What about your dad? Did your dad and, like, your, like, other family members take it well? I mean, you did say there was a genuine, consensus amongst your family that, yeah, He's probably he's probably gonna tell us he's gay at some point. Um, so when you told them that you were transitioning, what was the uh, outside of your mom? What was the, I guess, response? Yeah, well, I would say my mom was like neutral. She didn't take it well. She didn't take it bad. She was just like, "Gotcha, okay, you're gonna do it. If if I don't accept you, you're gonna do it anyway. So Facts. it is what it is." <laughs> okay, that's cool. Okay, that makes sense. All right. My dad, when I told him, I was so nervous because that's the dad, you know, and he always wanted me to be a certain way. So I was like shaking, my voice was shaking, my body was shaking. And I was like, I I just felt like I was going to disappoint him so badly. Right. And he, in the midst of me, like beating around the bush for a good 15 minutes, he, he told me to stop. He was like, I can tell you're very nervous about whatever you're about to tell me. Um, he said, give me a hug. I already know. Just say, but I want you to just say it. And when he said that, I was like, dad, I don't think you, you know what I'm about to say. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. No, thanks. But, Sorry, I'm not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> but if you say you already know, here we go. Right. So when I said it, I was waiting for like a reaction. Like I stopped and closed my eyes and I was like, okay. Right. And I looked back up and he was just looking at me smiling like, yeah, I knew that. And I was like, oh. Wow. (laughs) And then he started to like cry and then he gave me a hug and he apologized for um, the way he handled me growing up. Right. Like he saw his flaws in that and he just didn't know how to deal with it. And I will say, my parents were both very young when they had me, so. I know there were young people trying to figure life out, and then boom, here I come so, with all this. Yeah. So, are you an only child? Um, I'm the oldest child. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Because when I, like I said, I've always like seen you from afar. I never got to like know you on a personal level, so I, I, I didn't yeah. know much about you. Um, so that's cool. Um, your story is similar but uh, different. When I was in high school. I told my parents that I like women and I didn't like guys like at all. Um, and I dated guys like in middle school and high school, um, beginning part of high school, just to appease my mom um, mainly. And I, I find it like crazy that a lot of times like when people are um, telling their, their parents or their family members about um, who they're attracted to or how they feel about themselves, um, the per the parents of the same sex is the one that seems to be the most challenging to tell. Like for me, yeah. mine was my mom. For you, yours was your dad. I mean, both of them held a held a level of significance for you. But um, yeah. your dad, I feel like it was more emotional for you to come out to your dad, and that's what it was for me. Um, uh, my dad, I was we were on the way to take me to work, and it was snowing. That's why he took me to work, and um, cause I don't know how to drive in the snow. And, and not not that snow is real in North Carolina anyways. It's like, right. it's, it's nothing serious, but I wasn't taking any chances. So, like, uh, so we were on our way to taking me to work and my dad, um, I was like, hey dad, you know, the girl that comes over a lot. Um, he's like, yeah, yeah, she's really cool. And I was like, uh, yeah, we are actually more than friends. Like I'm Like I'm dating her. And he was like, okay. And I was like, <laughs> I just like left out the card. I was like, that was easy. And like, right. she texted me afterwards and just was like, I love you regardless of like how this plays out. 
um, just let me know when you feel comfortable to tell your mom. And I said, okay. Um, and then I had that conversation with my mom separately. Um, I actually told both of them separately, just at, like I'm assuming your conversations went, they were like individual. Um, yeah, mine was. Yeah, so when I told my mom, my mom, you know, we are just like, we're Christian and uh, we went to church regularly and uh, my mom really held to those values. So when I told her, like her first reaction was like, you know, it's not of God, it's a sin, blah, blah, blah. And she had a little bit of a rough patch getting to the level of comfortability with it. It wasn't aggressive, like, I'm going to kick you out and stuff like that. We just had a couple disagreements on it. Um, but throughout college, she was, she, like, overcame that a lot. Like, I think for most parents, like your mom, I would say, even though she's not, like, 100% on board, she realized that your happiness is what she desired for you. And even yeah. though it's not the way or the or, or what she would have wanted to define your happiness by she still wanted to be a part of your life and keep that relationship and that's what the kind of realization my mom had came to um so my whole family were just like you had always assumed that i like girls in some capacity um just because i didn't seem very interested in the guys that i dated it was kind of like for show it's like you'll come over and meet my family hang out a couple times but it wasn't I wasn't super into you at any point um right. and then as far as like me being comfortable I always love I like I love being a woman I love all of my lady parts and things but I don't feel comfortable in all women clothes like yeah. dresses are not my thing heels is like a definite no unless it's like a necessity um, I'm normally like a basketball shorts, t-shirt kind of girl, sneakers all the time, kind of yeah. girl. So, um, that was my MO and I guess that vibe gave off to my family that, oh, she must like want to take on a masculine persona and be with a woman. But I didn't, I didn't search to be a masculine persona. I just like got clothes. Um, but that's how I identified with, there's a separation between guys and girls because I grew up with my nephew who is the same age as me and my little brother and when we went clothes shopping I would want to get the same stuff they were getting and my mom was like no you have to shop in the girls section and my dad was just like what's the difference in her buying boys like basketball shorts and t-shirts than her buying girl ones like they're both the same articles of clothing so my dad never had an issue with it my mom I guess you know just making sure that I wasn't, like, you know, uh, desiring to be a boy or something like that or making it yeah. okay. She kind of, like, pushed back on it a little bit. But as I grew up, she just realized that's just, like, my level of comfortability. Um, but for you now that you're um, you're living your life um, happily in the, you know, in, in transition, what is your spiritual walk? Are you still... Um, active with your catholic faith or are you kind of removed like how has that evolved since you have gone through this process um i will say when i first got into college that's when i began to become more spiritual than religious okay and that kind of helped me develop more of a personal relationship with God okay. than than what I was than what I already had because everything I was doing was pretty much man made and man taught like you should pray right now or you right. should do this you right. should say that right. I'm like uh, God's supposed to know my heart so let me talk to God the way I need to talk to God okay. instead of what you're telling me to talk to God right, right. <laughs> so that's when that journey started. Um, I will still attend like a physical church. Okay. If one of my family members wants to go because I, there's no harm in it. I yeah. just prefer, I just prefer a more personal relationship. Yeah. So that happened like a good decade before I decided to transition. Okay. That's cool. So I guess like, I'm assuming in cat, like, like I said, cause I don't know about like full extent of Catholic religion, but I do know when people of the Catholic Church identify 
as gay or lesbian, they can't participate in, like, communion and some other, like, practices that Catholic churches do that's not the same as Christian churches. Um, Did you ever feel those effects or, like, you attend church now through the transition? And do you ever feel like you're, like, singled out or discriminated against or you don't feel, like, welcome to go to churches anymore? Like, what is your, like, feelings towards that um so with my my church is very different okay i grew up in a black catholic church so a lot of things were pretty similar to like baptist but it was still under like catholic under the catholic umbrella okay which is i don't know you just have to go there to see it i can't really explain it okay but um within the church there were like obvious gay members there but people wouldn't say anything they would just pretend they're not right so um but when it came to like the children who grew up in church like there was a guy who went to church church with me and um our church is very like really really tight and our families really like literally grow up together okay so they saw him like grow up and he came out as gay and they kind of like started talking junk and being very nasty and I'm like ooh y'all talking about him but little do y'all know about me because right, right. <laughs> I'm really going to make your head spin Exactly. <laughs> so when I saw that I was just like yeah um, I'll still talk to the people who I'm close with here and I'll right. still go to like, like Bible study is cool because those like people who turn their noses up, they don't really go to Bible study. So I'll go to Bible study, but anything else I'm not participating in, I'll go to like another church that's more open minded and probably don't know me. So it's like no judging or anything. Gotcha. Cause they're meeting you at Sanaya. They're not, they don't have like the Dell in mind. They only know you as. Yeah. At, gotcha. That makes sense. That's cool. So growing up did you ever since you did grow up in the church with the with the bible stating that like homosexuality is a sin um did you ever struggle with that or do you struggle with it now or do you like what is your like take on that um i've always found that to be a very complex situation in the bible okay yeah because at one point, people will say, oh, you're supposed to follow the Ten Commandments. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, that's easy. Right. And then, and then it goes to, oh, well, God said don't eat um, animals of the land. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but y'all do that. Yeah. We all do that. And right. it's like, oh, well, God said you shouldn't cut your hair or, um, and what I saw, it would say homosexuality is an abomination, but it never really said homosexuality is a sin. So I'm like, okay, well, what's the difference between an abomination and a sin? Okay. So I had to look it up. Like, abomination just means something that's distasteful or frowned upon. Okay. I was like, well, if something's frowned upon or distasteful, does that make it a sin, or is it just frowned upon and distasteful? Gotcha. Okay. Like, these are questions I had growing up. Like, trying to figure stuff out. Right. And then... When, because at the time I was identifying as gay, okay. um, I was like, well, hmm, you're teaching me that Jesus died for all of our sins. And as long as we believe in God and we repent, we're going to go to heaven anyway. So this is not breaking one of the Ten Commandments. So why is this, why are y'all saying I'm doomed to be hell sent? Like, I don't, stuff wasn't matching up. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, I feel, yeah, I, I could, I could see that a lot of people have like their own take on it. That's why I asked you what your take on it was, um, yeah. you know, uh, for me, I know growing up, I always was told that, uh, you know, homosexuality was an abomination as stated in the Bible, but also a sin. And I felt like churches weighed on that heavily more than any other sin. Um, yeah. so uh, I understood my mom's, I guess, uh, struggle with it. And I also feel like now that I have like a bazillion nieces and nephews and great nieces and nephews and whatever, 
they're born or I'm watching them grow up, I never think, you know, what if they were born with the wrong body or think that they're born with the wrong body. I never think, what if they're gay or what if they're lesbian? That never crosses my mind. So I feel like parents and family members having that initial shock is reasonable in some sense. Um, But carrying that negativity, I don't think that's necessary. You know what I mean? It doesn't help that person uh, see the need for change just because they see so much uh, hatred in it. You know what I mean? Um, it doesn't make yeah. them want to draw near to God to figure out what else is God's plan, God's best for their life, right? So um, I, I don't necessarily agree with people living in that negativity. I understand the shock, but I don't get the living in it. But um, so I struggled with it throughout college, like being very active at churches and then also um, in, you know, active at church and growing my walk of faith in dating women and um it just came to a point where like god really spoke to me and allowed and was just like hey i like you let me operate in all areas of your life but this one and i was like god like i was i was born this way i've always liked women i never liked dudes and he was like everybody has been born in the sin and for me that was a trigger because i feel like people way sin of like oh you steal or oh you lie or oh you're gay and one of these are more than the other but we already were born into sin through the creation of Adam and Eve they already started that we always are going to be playing catch up and we will never make it to not be a sinner um Jesus died on the cross so that we will be able to have a relationship with God so over time I opened up to God teaching me like what his ultimate design is, at least for my life. I can't speak for everybody's life, but for my life. And um, I went through like two years of celibacy. I didn't talk to anybody, guys or girls, guys especially because I thought they were repulsive. I felt like guys my whole life were great friends. I never felt them like attractive. I just yeah. felt like just awesome people to hang with, but like that's about it. Um, but my husband at the time, well, my husband now, but my, my friend at the time during my two years of celibacy, I got to know him and he showed interest, which was interesting to me because I feel like a lot of guys aren't attracted to girls that like, are kind of like, uh, like guys clothing more than they like girls clothing or did that often. Um, so that was a little off putting, but just in general, he just showed interest, a really strong interest early on that I wasn't used to. Um, and I was in the position to receive. And then after my two years of celibacy, I was like, hey, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I was very, like, hesitant. And it took me a while to grow into comfortability of, like, what a woman was and what the woman and man relationship looked like. If it was something I really wanted to try out, was it worth it? Like, you know, all those questions. But we're here today now. We're married two years in the game, you know, life is grand. I've gotten over the males being repulsive. I actually see my husband as very attractive, so it was, it was a long game to where we are now. Um, but I feel like, you know, with most sins that people struggle with, I just feel in today's climate, homosexuality is the biggest one people talk about. And like you've experienced is a lot of gossip and negativity that comes out to you comes out when people that attend churches or that are active in their faith um, with the community um there's a lot of negativity that comes out when they show their true self and i wonder i know for me i personally have experienced church hurt um i've learned to mature through it so i understand like what the church's perspective was um but I wonder, is there a better way, and one thing that's been stirring in me, is there a better way to prepare the church to respond to people of the LGBT community? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we, the church has a duty to, to, to teach the scripture, right? But you, treat, you teach the scripture and you talk about all of the sins, right? But you don't limit the activity or limit the member that is struggling with alcoholism or drug abuse. You know what I mean? You guys have, most churches have like programs or something like that to like where they still can be active members, right? 
but I think when it comes to the LGBT community, at least from my from my standpoint, it's they don't have a plan to respond to people like that. It's kind of like a we'll either do nothing and ask you to not participate as a volunteer or as a leader, or we don't res- they don't respond at all. Have you like experienced that? Um, or know anybody that's experienced that or like have any input on how like how would a person from the LGBT community that wants to grow in that faith how could they feel more welcome to still grow in their faith even though they either don't identify with the sin or they're still struggling with it you know yeah um, from my experience I could say like Okay, so this might be mind blowing for some, but <laughs> the drop is coming. <laughs> I personally, I will. I have gender dysphoria. Okay, so gender dysphoria is a condition that happens in the womb. Okay. Um, some transgender people have it. Some transgender people do not have it. Okay, um, but when when you do have it that's when there um, was a chemical imbalance and the brain develops um, similarly to that of uh, the sex that they identify as. Okay. And that's usually why um, children who are so young already have that feeling because their brain had, pre- had already developed to be that, that way. Okay. Um, so I, I don't, that's also a reason why I guess I never felt comfortable calling myself gay or dating gay men right because I, I always felt like that was weird but yeah. I as a trans woman I identify as straight gotcha but okay. I have gender dysphoria right and it's just a medical condition and that's okay and things happen right it's same things like when um there are people born with both genitalia or no genitalia things happen that doesn't make them an alien or right. a freak. Right. We're we're all God's creatures, and if if one if one person could say, if you can for if you can love someone for um and they stole something, what's the difference from loving them for being a sinner than from loving someone else if you feel that they are a sinner? If you are a Christian, you're supposed to love that neighbor as thyself, regardless of what. That's how I feel personally. Gotcha. And I don't, I never thought that, I've always held um, the saying that only God can judge me very dear to my heart because God is the only one who truly knows us individually, like on the deepest level. And no one else has the power or say as to who's going where when the time comes for them to pass along. But God. Yeah, that that, um, distinction you made of, God is the only one that knows us individually. I think that is powerful in the sense of, you know, a lot of people could just put it on a general state of like, only God can judge me. So like, um, you know, so your differences versus my differences don't really matter to me. But for you, it's like, it does matter to me because God only knows me to the deepest core of who I am. You know what I mean? So, like, that's why, I guess, uh, to expand upon that, that's why I kind of, I, I wonder, which I'm going to, you know, hold more interviews to come about, is how does the church prepare to respond to people that love God, right, but don't see the same view as the church does as, that what they are, the life, the life that they live, is a sin you know what I mean but they but they desire to grow you know what I mean like I feel like the church sometimes is set up for you to grow once you conform or once you have given your life to Christ and you have already decided to make the changes to experience God's best for your life but what if they haven't yet I feel like for me the stretch between living in uh the life the life I chose this was to date women and then being married to my husband now, happily married to my husband now, 
the only reason why I could see that transition is through the love that church and my family has shown as um as Christians you know what I mean like that <laughs> that judgment that wasn't passed and that um distancing that the church didn't do you know what I mean it, and I feel like for the church I know it's hard to uh skate the line of uh accepting it and then loving people through it you know what I mean I know that's like a hard line line that the church has to has to walk but I don't think that uh not talking about it is good and I also don't think not being prepared to handle those situations are good either you know what I mean like absolutely I think the so the church that you go to you said that uh you know you you go to the bible study but you did um the bible study for one church and you attend a different church if the church that you attend the bible study uh the, the bible study with if you attended the church and like you know said hey I want to volunteer at Sanaya um and explain to them what you're going through do you think that they would be prepared to have that conversation with you or and what that conversation would look like um it would definitely be biased because there are people who who know me personally and grew up with me and, and still feel the same way about me and then right. there are those who don't right. so it was like split right it's split so um that that vision of like some that could and some that couldn't i guess you know most churches have like their own like the pastor sets a standard do you think yeah. that the standard that that pastor has set for your church is one of welcomeness for people that still want to grow in their like their relationship with Christ or is it like you can attend but you can't volunteer or lead you know what I mean like right. what is what is that pastor's vision in on that or have you because you've gone there for a while, do, do you think that he doesn't have a stance on it because it just hasn't been presented to him? So that that particular church that I'm speaking of is my home church, the Catholic Church. Yeah. And um, the priests there, they've always been, um, I don't like the epitome of what you would perceive Jesus to be. It's weird. It's like they, they treat people the way Jesus would treat people. Okay, cool. Like anyone, no matter what you look like, what you believe in, where you come from, can walk into the church. They won't blink an eye. They will look at them equally. That's okay. what I've always appreciated about the priest right. in that particular church. Okay. Um, so, but as far as the members, right. the members are going to feel what they're going to feel. And they yeah. don't really... Like they'll pretend in front of the priest and then they'll have their own feelings of course, behind them. Of course. So if you, if Sanaya wanted to volunteer with that particular church under that leadership, because they do do volunteer events, right? With that, with that church, with the priest. Do they do like, you would, would that be acceptable? Would like any leadership have a problem with that? Or uh, would the police have a problem with that? Or he would be okay with it? The priest would be okay with it. Gotcha. And okay. because of that, the, the congregation, they would, it's like a, it's very fake. It'd be like a fixed value of, yes, yes. But then they're like, no, like, right. how can we need, we need somebody else to take over? Like, I just see that happening because that's, right. I have to say it, but that's just how a lot of Catholic churches are. Yeah. They're, smile but then deep down that's not really how they feel it's interesting for it to be from a catholic perspective as well because i grew up in traditional black christian churches and i feel that um they just aren't prepared to have that that conversation and the church that i experienced uh the church hurt with basically i was volunteering as a leader in the youth ministry i have a strong heart for the youth and um i had spoken with my leader because another one of my friends had told him that he was gay and they asked him to step, step down from leadership. So he asked me if I had experienced that because I had been volunteering longer than he had. And I said, no, I really don't like, you know, I'm not explicit about my level of sexuality with like the church. And he was like, well, you know, let me know how that goes. Like, you know, let me know if you ever cross that bridge. So I, I proposed a question to my leader and, um, 
my leader said that she's gonna have to talk to the director and they'll get back to me and then like two weeks later we had a sit down with the new director and the leader and they asked me to step down for leadership and that they would pray with me through it and that was it but that was literally the last conversation I had with them there was no follow-up whatsoever wow right so if I wasn't mature enough in my faith to understand that for the vision that that church had uh the contradiction of like teaching kids the bible and then being a leader in that sense might have had some contradiction you know what I mean I never felt that the leader of that church was accepting of that anyways but I also don't think that the pastor prepared his staff for that either you know what I mean like how to handle that you know what I mean and I think that some churches, because they aren't prepared to handle it, it creates a lot more church in the LGBT community. They they see the negativity or the rejection from the church, and they're like, why would I ever engage in that? You know what I'm saying? They don't accept me for who I am. And I feel like that, that not necessarily acceptance, but level of comfortability to know that no matter what walk of life you're, you're, you're in, you still can come to a church and receive the same amount of love that somebody that isn't struggling with something is. And I think that that is uh, challenging to break that barrier because I feel like there's a lot of LGBT people, LGBTQ people in those communities that are suffering from church hurt due to, like you said, the leaders of the church um, not being prepared by the pastor and under the pastor's vision, where that be a neg like uh, a sense of like exclusion or a sense of inclusion. You know what I mean? Like they just aren't prepared for it because I don't think your personal your personal uh, perspective or opinion on that should play should be a representation of a church. You know what I mean? Like I don't think that you should feel fearful about being who you truly are in the mix of your home church due to how the leadership will respond, even though you know the leader would be comfortable with it. You know what I mean? So moving on to the next like uh, episodes I'm going to have, I'm, I'm going to actually like uh, talk to other volunteers of various churches and leaders of various churches or people that used to lead in churches and uh-huh. see if they are prepared to have those conversations. And if not, why not? And what it would take for them to have those conversations. Because I I don't think that every person, if they weren't mature, had, if they had the same experience I had, would be mature enough to see that it is a issue within leadership, not necessarily an issue within Christ or my relationship with Christ. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Absolutely. yeah, so I'm I'm interested to see how that plays out, but I'm I'm so happy that you have grown into a level of comfortability for yourself, and I'm I'm thankful that you're able to still be in a community that you know supports you, and um you you still feel the constant love and um acceptance in some level from your family because I do know people going through transition is hard to get all of that encompassed in life. You know what I mean? And you, I'm I'm glad you have a solid foundation and community of people that just love you for who you are. Um, And you- Very very blessed, that's all I can say. Yeah, you are are (laughs) tremendously blessed, no doubt. Um, And right now you have a GoFundMe, right? For your um, transition, correct? How's that going? Where where we at? We getting like halfway there? We're like a quarter there? Like where we at? Oh well, the amount is so overwhelming. It is. It is. <laughs> but, during, during um, COVID, it's hard to hard to see people, you know, get being being able to muster it up. But it's it, it, I've seen the post, and it's a very heartfelt story, and um, it's one that I think a lot of people will be um, moved to definitely help within your transition, so you can be you can feel more comfortable comfortable in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I will say every time I post it, I do get um support. Okay. Some support. Awesome. But I haven't been posting it recently, so it has died down. I got you. I got you. Well, 
Sunaya, I really do appreciate you having this conversation with me today. Um, I, I hope that this podcast will bring up more awareness of just people being comfortable with themselves and figuring out their own walk and journey. Um, my podcast is all about um, anointed centers. It's specifically titled that because I identify as a center initially because I feel like a lot of people don't like to be identified by it, but that's like a part of who all of us are. We all have sinned. Yeah. We, we all are sinners. Um, and I feel called to do this podcast. So that's why I call it anointed sinners podcast. And all my topics are just about my walk and other people's walk with Christ and just being able to freely express that and not feel the pressure of like, you know, having to have like biblical references all the time or like, you know, yeah. some obnoxious past of like, you know, volunteering or leading in a church or going to a ministry school or anything. Just like real people having real conversations about their journey with Christ. Because I do believe that everybody's journey is different and it is a journey. Um, and there'll be highs and lows and changes and, you know, ev- people will evolve through it. So um, I do appreciate you um, taking the time to have this conversation with me. I am honored myself that you even chose me. <laughs> Like I said, it's like I've been watching you from afar, and I'm like, yes, this is an opportunity for me to actually have a cool conversation with Sanat. Awesome. So, um, I don't know who and I'm so happy for you thanks. and your growth. And this is our first time being um, able able to speak to each other vocally. Right. I know we speak online, but yeah. Congratulations on your wedding. Thank You're you. married. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I will let you get back to your evening. I just wanted to wrap up just saying I appreciate your time. And, um, I really do hope that your story, um, reaches a lot of people. Cause I do believe that there is a need for people's journey within Christ to be heard, um, outside of, um, with the, within the church. I feel like within the church is something that's not talked about. And I feel like we need to bring awareness to it so that we can be prepared on how to interact and with people that have what others see as a big difference, you know? Yeah. Well, you enjoy your evening. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later. All right. You take care. Have a good one. Bye.